Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. All right, take out those notes that you got on your way in today. We are a note-taking church, and we are in part two of a brand new series that we've been doing called Pray First, where we are training our church in how to go to God first. I've, I've taught for years that spiritual maturity can be measured in how quickly you go to God compared to how quickly you used to go to God. So, so I'm just going to God a little quicker than I did before. And that's why we wear these Pray First bracelets. You got them on your way in. You can get them on your way out. And, and it's a way for, to remind you that when, when, when trials come, when temptation comes, when a new day comes, you just go to God first and, and watch what happens when God's people start praying. They're also a great way to have a conversation starter. I was getting on a plane the other day, and uh, you know, I'm heading towards the back of the plane because I bought the cheapest ticket possible. And, and as I did, I, I, I you know, passed all the really favored people up front. And, and one guy looks at me, he's like, Pastor Aaron. And, and he looks at me, he shows me his little wristband like that, and happens all over. And he's like, I was just telling her, we were talking about the wristband, I just was telling her to come to church. So, so if you're one of the, that girl that was on the plane, welcome to church, we're glad you came too, but it's a great conversation starter, great way for you to do it. But I want to challenge you on a, on a pray first lifestyle. And we're going to look today at Jesus's model of prayer. We're going to look at Jesus's model of prayer. And I'm going to show you how Jesus modeled a pray first, a prayer lifestyle that you can replicate in your life. You see, every industry has its goats. It has the greatest of all time. And, and I did this with our staff the other day and just kind of got some responses from them. Like, when you think of the goat in a different industry, I want you to kind of shout out what name comes to your mind. So let's, let's start with hockey. Who would be the hockey goat? Come on, throw it out. Come on, every kind of people said it. Yeah, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't talk hockey without Gretzky. All right, all right, basketball. Who's the basketball goat? controversial at all of our campuses. I know some are saying LeBron and Kobe. It's Jordan, guys. Jordan is the, the goat. The goat, the goat. Uh, all right. All right. Golf. Who's the golf goat of all time? Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know. It's like, man, people are getting upset with their neighbors right here. Yeah, I, I wrote down Tiger. I, I think we said Tiger's one of the goats. All right. Women's tennis. Who would be the goat of all time? Come on. There's only one name. Come on. Serena Williams. Like, you just, you got... You got the goat right there. Um, this one's fun. Uh, greatest president of all time. Come on, John. No, 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 no. Let's not. Let's. <laughs> got a little controversial here. We wrote it down. I, I wrote down Lincoln. Come on. How do you not have Lincoln? Lincoln's just, he's the goat, I think. All right. Football. Who, who is it? Who is it? He left us. He left us. We don't, we don't, we don't endorse him. We don't endorse him. We don't endorse him. Um, when you think of the greatest of all time, I want us to look at the idea of prayer and realize Jesus is the goat of this thing in prayer. He, he's the best there was, and he showed us a model of how to live in prayer. You gotta think Jesus did not need anything from the Father, yet he prayed often, both publicly and privately. And I'm gonna show you how he modeled prayer, and I believe it'll be a challenge for you to take your prayer life to the next level. Because you gotta understand this, prayer isn't about request, it's about relationship. And Jesus modeled relationship with the Father. Because you might be in a place right now where you go, Aaron, my life is great, I, I don't really need to pray. I'm telling you, you're missing out on what prayer is all about. 
Prayer is about relationship. And I want to help you develop that relationship the way Jesus had a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Three things, and I think it'll help you a lot today. Number one is that Jesus modeled private prayer. Jesus modeled private prayer. Prayer is about relationship, and Jesus showed us that the greatest relationships are both public but also private. I want you to think about this. Your greatest relationships usually start in a public setting, but they really don't go to the next level until there's a private setting. So we gotta think of the greatest relationship that we're able to have, uh, marriage. So marriage, one man, one woman, that's what, that's what marriage is. And when you have marriage, they come together. And I want you to picture this in marriage. I want you to picture the couple that they, um, they are one of those couples that they just are all like, you know, ooey gooey with each other. Like they, they just too much, you know, public displays of affection. And they're all, they're all kissing all over each other. Like you're like, you're in church right now. This is kind of weird. And, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're hug, holding hands and they're talking about each other. They're, he's like, man, she's my girl. I love her so much. She's everything. And, and everything's awesome. And then they get home and they look at each other and they go, hey, you go to your room. I'll go to my room. Let's have nothing to do with each other. She's like, she's like well, don't you want to watch a movie with me? No, no, no. There's nobody here to see that. Imagine that. You would go, that's not a healthy relationship. Now, now picture the opposite is also there. There's opposite is like, imagine like in private, it's like, you know, all, all over each other. They want to spend time with each other. You're the best thing ever. I love you so much. You're so amazing. And then they get in public and she kind of walks up next to him and he goes, hey, not here, not here, not here. Are you going to introduce me to your friends? You're my girlfriend in my heart. That, that, that's, that's our private thing. How many know that relationship ain't going anywhere either, right? What we have is we have a lot of Christians that fall on one of the, one of the two extremes. They either flaunt God in public, but they ignore him in private, or they're intimate with God in private, yet they make no difference in public. And what I want to challenge you with is Jesus showed us the healthy relationship of both modeling public adoration for God and worship and in ministry and also private intimacy with God. Look what he did, Luke chapter five. Yet news about him spread all the more. This is about Jesus. Why did the news spread? Because he's preaching about the kingdom. He's, he's having moments where he's talking and healing the sick and, and cleansing the leper. His life is displaying who the father is. And look what it says. And the crowds of people came to him to be healed of their diseases, but... Here's what Jesus did. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he did what? He prayed. He prayed. He understood that it's not enough to just do it publicly. You've got to have moments of private connection with God. Mark chapter 1. Look what it says. Very early in the morning. Some of y'all, your 6 a.m.s this week has been like the first time in your life you've seen 6 a.m. There's something about the early time with God, the connection with God, first thing in the morning. Look what Jesus did very early while it was still dark. Jesus got up. He left his home and went off to a solitary place. What did he do in that solitary place? That's where he prayed. And Simon and the, his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained. He said, everybody's looking for you. Like, you know that's a good prayer time when you're so wrapped up in the, in, in the Father and you're so connected that you lose track of time and everybody's like, we don't even know where you're at. Like, come on, everybody, everybody's looking for you. And, and he knew how important it was for him to be connected with the Father. You write it on your notes this way. The greatest 
Let me say this. The deepest relationships might start in public, but they are built in private. You are designed to connect with God in corporate worship like this, but you will never go deep until you learn how to take what God does in a corporate setting like this to an intimate setting where you're alone with God. Ian Bounds says it this way, public prayers are of little value unless they are founded on and followed up by private praying. There's time with God that you're connecting with. It's, let me say it this way, prayer is, it might be learned in the church, but it's developed in the closet. And your relationship with God has to have those times where you're alone with him to connect with him. The most important thing you will do every day is spend time with God. The most important thing you're going to do every day is spend time with God. Family time is important, but not as important as your time with God. Your alone time is important, but it's not as important as your time with God. Your couple's time is important, but it's not as important as your time with God. Your church time is very important, but it's not as important as your time with God. And your work time is important, but it's not as important as your time with God. If you want to go to the next level, make an appointment with God every day and keep it. It's the best time you will spend invested in your life when you spend time with God. So you've got to have that moment where Jesus showed us and said, despite all the ministry that's out there, I've got to get alone with God. When's the last time you genuinely just got alone and connected with God? You go, well, I don't know what to do. Well, we're going to get to that. But Jesus showed us, listen, it can't just be a public thing. It's got to be a private thing also. Number two, here's the second one. It's that Jesus modeled passionate prayer. Passionate prayer. I want you to think about it. What would the the moments of prayer look like for Jesus? If it was like some of the churches you grew up in, they would have been like Jesus going to the Father and be like, Father, blessed art thou, Father. Your son, hearest I am. Go as we may. It's weird. It's weird. Like, like we think of prayer as like, okay, we're gonna recite some liturgy or we're gonna have some moment of reflection or we're gonna have these real special words. I, I always think it's always weird where people are like, I wanna pray, I just don't know how to pray. I go, well, what you just did, it's called communication, just talking. Like, like there's no right or wrong words. You just, you communicate, you learn to talk and there's moments in your life where things are not going well. And you need to have that relationship with God where you can get intense and passionate. Let me say it this way. Any solid relationship is going to have moments of passionate communication. Like you ever meet those people? I'm like, what do y'all fight about? We just never fight at all. We love each other so much. Like you don't know each other. Because if you knew each other, you'd argue a lot because that's normal in a relationship. The deeper the relationship, the deeper the passion there is. I think about this with Katie and I when we we got engaged. One of the biggest fights we ever got in, we were engaged. Katie was graduating from nursing school. She's a nurse, and so she graduated from nursing school. And when she graduated, um, she asked me, um, I was living up in Pensacola, she said, hey, can you come down for my pinning ceremony? 
Well, I said, I never heard of a pinning ceremony. So I said, uh, I'm not sure what that is. She's like, it's like my graduation. I said, oh, I would love to come, but I'm a youth pastor. I got to preach on Wednesday night. And she said, okay, well, that's fine. How, how, how many know? Come on, how many know? That's fine. Ain't fine. It ain't fine. It, it, it wasn't fine. It wasn't fine. I, I remember missing that moment. And Katie will tell you, like, she almost ended the engagement right then because it was like, it, it, was, not, it was not a good move on my part. And we got to have a conversation. And it wasn't like, a, it's all okay. It was like a, hey, we, we got to get this thing right. Like, I'm a little upset. I'm a little angry. I want, I want to vent my frustration. I'm getting about to get married. We got to make sure we're doing this thing right. And that's real relationship. Real relationship are those moments where you can get real and connected with God and go, I'm not happy right now. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not okay right now. You got to think of what Jesus did in the garden. The Bible says it this way. Remember the, the garden of Gethsemane where, where he's right before he's about to get betrayed. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Sorrowful and troubled. When's the last time you had moments of being sorrowful, troubled, going in a little further? He fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. Look, you got to picture this. You have Jesus falling to the ground. And having a moment where he's getting before God going, please, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. They said it was so intense that his sweat was like drops of blood. Like, like, like I understand. I understand that some of y'all aren't emotional people and, and you kind of get all dignified. But when the world gives you its worst, I'm going to challenge you. Get passionate in prayer with God. <laughs> Get passionate before God. There, there's got to be those moments where you're sowing tears in prayer to reap the harvest that God has for your life later. And, and let me just say, it's not always my relationship. In the same way, it's not always my relationship with Katie. We're always not fighting. Like there's moments of joy. There's moments of fun. There's moments of just being silent. All that's good. But Jesus also showed us there's moments to get passionate before God and to be okay with just venting your frustration, going before the Lord with your hurts. I love it, it says about Elijah. It says Elijah was a human being as we are, yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. Like, earnest prayers, earnest prayers. Like I, I, I think of those people, there was, I grew up in a kind of a wild, you know, charismatic Pentecostal culture. And, and so some of those ladies, they would start praying, and I was always like, oh, this is weird, you know? <laughs> It was always like intense and they're waving stuff over you and stuff. But I'm telling you, I get a bad diagnosis. You know who I'm going to? I don't want no dignified. I hope it's okay. I, I poured the oil on me. Come on, give me, blow the trumpet in my, mouth, in my face. I don't care what it takes. I want passionate prayer. Let the passions of your prayers be, be equal to the intensity of whatever's coming against you right now. 
Some of you, those kids haven't come back to the faith. I'm telling you, what you need, you don't need dignified. You need to get on your knees once in a while, get before the Lord and say, God, I'm gonna believe you for a miracle right now. I'm gonna trust you for a miracle right now. Like, I'm gonna get serious about it. I remember, like, even with my family, you know, they'd, they'd get there and it was so funny. My parents, we'd leave for the day and my, my mom would go and pray over all of our room and anoint it with oil. And I always thought it was so stupid. I'm like, what are you doing? That's not gonna do anything. She's passionate about her kids following the Lord. I'm, I'm telling you, we, we've gotten way too dignified in our prayers. And, and Jesus showed us, now, there could be, there could be passionate prayer. His, his, his cousin, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, he, this is someone that he would have done life with, would have grown up with. He's the one that announced Jesus to everybody. There he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, gets arrested and then gets beheaded. And the news comes to Jesus. What happens when the news comes to Jesus, the God of the universe, when he has this moment? He's got this amazing ministry. The news comes to him. Your cousin died. Say, well, it's okay. I'll be with the Father soon. It's all going to be fine. It's all okay. Just push it down. I got ministry to do. The Bible says it this way. Ready? It says, when Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat to a solitary place. What did he do? He got alone with the Father. Some of you are trying to deal with your grief and your loss and your missed expectations and your frustrations, and you're like, just shove it down. Eventually, it'll be okay. And I'm here to tell you, it's not going to be okay because time does not heal things, but God does. God does. And when you have those moments where you're just angry and you're frustrated, I want you to know it's not heretical to be harsh in prayer. It is not, it is, it is not those moments where you feel like I, like I got to get my words right. No, you voice your frustration to God, and God can handle your hurts and your hangups. He can deal with it, and he's big enough that when you come to him passionately and you get real with him, that he gets real with us. Prayer isn't about God giving us busy work. It's about God doing a deep work inside of your life to the times that you need it the most. So come to him in passion. Come to him in your tears. Come to him in your anger. Come to him in your doubt. Give it to him. He can handle it. Can we give him better praise today, church? He can handle it. Jesus modeled private prayer. Get alone with the Father. He modeled passionate prayer. Times where you just got to vent to God. Get real with God. And number three, Jesus modeled a plan for prayer. A plan for prayer. Because a lot of us were real passionate. And then you hear a message like this, or you heard a message like last week, and you're going, okay, I'm going to get alone with God. And you get all alone with God, and you have nothing to say. And Jesus actually showed them this. Actually, the Bible says, he, when Jesus one time was praying, his disciples looked at him and said, Jesus, teach us how to do that. These were young Jewish men who would have known and been trained in Jewish prayer. 
Yet what they saw out of Jesus wasn't some recited random thing. They saw passion that connected him with the Father. And that, they just said, they said, they said, Jesus teaches how to do that. Teaches how to do that. And then Jesus responded, and he responded with Luke chapter six. I want to show it to you. He says, he said, this is then how you should pray. I, I want you to just understand this. He didn't say, pray this. He didn't say pray this. Look what he says. He says, this is how you should pray. And then he gives us what's called the Lord's Prayer. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he says, now give us today this, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What he does is he shows them a plan of prayer. Now, now you'll miss it if you think the solution is just to keep reciting this every day. You reciting this is not going to help you get closer to the Father. Because it's not to be recited. I mean, it can be recited, but it's, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't given to be recited. He's given us as a way to go, this is how you connect. This is how you walk into that purpose. Martin Luther, by the way, one of the great church leaders, um, his, his barber, who was one of his good friends, asked him, said, Martin Luther, I heard you pray for two to three hours a day. And he goes, yes, I do. He goes, how do you do it? He's like, I, I don't know. I just, I just have always done it. So he's really challenged. So one day he went back to his home and he wrote out, he's like, how do I have this connection with the father? And he wrote out and he said, if you want to pray and learn how to pray, everybody should do three things. Now, these are not in your notes, but I think they're good for you to know. Um, and he wrote it into a book called A Simple Way to Pray. That's the, it's like a famous his, uh, historical Christian book. And he says, everybody needs to learn the Apostles Creed. And I was like, wow, if you've been to Foundations, you've learned the Apostles Creed. <laughs> And then he says, everybody needs to learn the Ten Commandments. You need to learn the Ten Commandments. By the way, I'm going to do a whole series on the Ten Commandments this year. And then he said it this way. And then he says, and everybody needs to learn the Lord's Prayer. Because the Lord's Prayer is a model of prayer for us. Amen. So let me break it down for you in the last few minutes I have with you of how to take the Lord's Prayer and make it a model for you to connect with the Father. Here's the first one. He starts it out with our Father in heaven. He starts it with this phrase, our Father, our Father. You're going to connect with God relationally. He's our father. We are his children. You are not an outcast. You are not a foreigner. You are not disconnected. You are part of the family of God. Amen. How do we get to boldly approach God? Because we are approaching him as our father. And as a father of five, let me just tell you one of the greatest joys in my life is when those kids come to me and say, dad, can we hang out? And my answer is always, yes. You want to connect with God? You come to him as, his, he's, his, he's your father. I'm your child. I'm going to connect with you. And then he goes, and then you move into, hallowed be your name. What is that? Now you're going to worship him for who he is. You're going to exalt the name of Jesus. You're going to worship who he is. You're going to give him praise for who he is. You're gonna recognize how holy his name is. One of the worst things I hear often, I even hear it from a lot of Christians, when we use the Lord's name in vain. Look, one of the primary things we are called to do is to keep his name hallowed, worship, exalted. Man, people, people do it all the time around me. They'll, they'll drip, you know, drop some, some, you know, oh, Jesus Christ, and when they say that, it, it like grieves my spirit. And I'm always like, if you knew him the way I knew him, you wouldn't say his name like that. It needs to be worshiped. It needs to be exalted. And then he says, your kingdom come, 
Your will be done. What is this? I'm gonna take time to submit to his leadership, to his lordship in my life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna submit my life to the lordship of Jesus, saying, God, I want your kingdom. It's not about my kingdom. It's not about my name. It's not about my church. It's not about my business. It's not about my bank account. It's about his kingdom being advanced on the earth today. So I submit myself to the lordship of Jesus, and I say, God, bring it, uh, in pa- bring it to pass every area of my life that's outside of your lordship, my marriage or my relationship, or or what I'm looking at. I want everything to be under because I want your kingdom to come and your will be done. And he follows it up with on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that our prayer? That when these times that we submit all of this brokenness to the Lord, we say, God, let it be like it is in heaven. So fix this relationship and fix this marriage and fix this, my kids and fix this business. God, I want your kingdom to come. It's almost a declaration you make that everything that I'm part of will bring about your kingdom on the earth today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he goes in verse 11, give us today our daily bread, our daily bread. What is he saying? He says we need to humbly express your reliance on him. I I need him every single day. I want to keep my posture in that way where I'm humbled before God to say, God, I need you today. I don't have it together. I've been doing this for a while now. I'm 40 now. I, I, I would think that I know what I'm doing, but I don't. God, I need you to come through for me today. And it's in those moments that I normally would open up my prayer journal and I read out my prayer list to the Lord and I said, God, and I need this to happen. I need this loved one to come to, to the faith and I need, I need this breakthrough in this campus. I, I am reliant on you. It is okay for you to come to God and express your reliance on God. We're nothing without you. Can I tell you what will take it to the next level? Because I prayed God give me my daily bread every single day and then I read it and I realized I've been reading it wrong because it doesn't say give me my daily bread. It says give us our daily bread. So it's a, it's a mindset perspective because we're all called to the community of believers. And like, you're not called to do Christianity alone. You're not on this thing alone. It's not about just your win. It's about all of our win. So there's in moments like that, that I'm praying going, God, what are the needs of the believe the community of believers here at Radiant around the world? I, I'm so grieved for our community of believers that are in Israel and Gaza and the Middle East and those in Ukraine and those who those are Christians who, who need his daily bread. And it's our responsibility to pray, God, our family, our church, our community of believers, the, the, like, like help. And it's interesting to me how the Lord will put people on my mind or ministries on my mind for us to fund and support or people to reach out to because it's about the community of believers that he puts in and he goes then forgive us our debts like this is a moment for confession and cleansing let me help your theology in this let me just say you're no more saved than the moment that you give your life to christ like you're no more saved than that moment so it's not this moment like i get more and more saved (laughs) what what you're doing when you sin is it's, it's not affecting your spirit your spirit's sealed it's right with god but your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your flesh, it's broken. So that's why confession heals us. So we confess our sins, and what does that do? It heals us. It has a moment, God, I shouldn't have responded that way. I shouldn't have talked that way. Help me to get better. 
So we're asking him, forgive us our debts. And then look what he says, as we have also forgiven our debtors. <laughs> you know what this means? Now I'm going to release offense and I'm going to forgive daily. Let us not be a people who come to God and say, God, forgive us, yet we still hold the griefs and the hurt and the resentment towards all those people who we should forgive. To the measure you forgive others, God forgives you. So don't walk into today's grace with yesterday's griefs. Release them to the Lord. And every day, there's, there's moments, I gotta protect my heart. I gotta protect my heart, because every day I'll go before the Lord and I'll go, God, forgive me. And Lord, that person was so stupid. <laughs> Remember, I'm passionate in my prayers. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not churching it up. I'm going, God, I'm angry at them, and, and, I, and, and I, I'm pretty upset, and I wanna respond to that email in a really crazy way. But I let it go today. Can you imagine what you're like? This is why Jesus taught this. He's like, listen, do you want to connect? Every day you're releasing offenses. I say something stupid to me. It's okay. I'm releasing it to God tomorrow morning anyway. Because I'm just going to get before him every day. I'm going I'm to release it. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation. I heard it said this way. Many of us have believed that we are human beings learning to be spiritual beings. But it's actually opposite. We are actually spiritual beings that need to learn how to be human beings. Because you can't do everything. And you can't go everywhere. <laughs> because there's real temptation out there. And there's things that'll take you down and destroy your marriage and destroy your finances and destroy your life. So what you're doing is you're asking God, God in my humanity, help me that I, I too might fall if not by the grace of God. Remember, we stay low, we stay low, we stay humble. Lead us not into temptation. And then he ended it with this one. And deliver us from the evil one. Um, I, I think it's interesting because the evil one there, I was like, yeah, that devil. And some of y'all like, in the name of that devil gets out of my house. You know what your evil one is? <laughs> some of you, it's just your flesh. Some of y'all, it's just your friends. <laughs> Some of y'all, it's just the, the mindset wrong doing in your mind. So I end this prayer every day with going, God, now deliver me. Whether it's an attack of the enemy or whether it's just purifying my actions and my attitudes, get that stuff out of my life so that every day I can become more and more like Christ. That is what he tells us to do. Some versions put it in there at the end that says, and thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. It's a little disputed if it's supposed to be in there or not, but I think it's interesting because it starts with our father and it ends with his kingdom. Our father to his kingdom. I'm connecting with God relationally and then I'm walking out of there to advance his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I, I, John Bunyan says it this way, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. But something happens when God's people get alone with God, get passionate, have a plan to go before the Lord, to submit our request and to connect with him. You walk in one way, 
but you walk out another way. And let me just say it this way. Uh, you, you will never walk into the calling God has for you until you learn to be a person of prayer. You're a better mom when you pray. You're a better child when you pray. You're a better citizen when you pray. You're a better ambassador for Christ when you pray. You're a better leader when you pray. You're a better boss when you pray. You're a better employee when you pray. I'm telling you, you can walk into your calling, but at first you gotta pray. Come on, give God some praise today, church. God, we come to you and we ask you to help us. Come on, ask them right now. Why don't you take your hands and just hold them like you're gonna receive a gift right now. Help me to be a person of prayer. God, we see the model in scripture of private prayer. God, I pray that you would help us to be people that pull away to connect with the Father. God, we see the model of passionate prayer. Help us be people that bring our heart to bring our rawness to you, God. We know that if we get real with you, you will get real with us. And help us to be people with strategic prayers, like the Lord's Prayer, that we would come to you with a plan of how we can really walk this thing out in our life. Give us a grace for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.